For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, everybody. It is Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Javon Adams, along with the one and only the professional, the former professional baseball player and professional football player, the one and only Ed Smith. What's good? Man, great show ahead. Always good to be here with Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. That's how we do it. So last week we talked about the the offensive side of the ball. Now this week, to be honest, I, I think that all eyes are really on the offensive side of the ball, so that's why we spent so much time. And this week, I want to get into a couple of different topics, talk a, talk about or touch on the defense just a bit, and maybe some things that happened recently in terms of some releases and some transactions that will lead us in that direction. But also want to get, Ed, your, your thoughts on something that happened with the Miami Dolphins that I think is there are some correlations which just raises some questions with me about coaching in the locker room. So without further ado, let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, we know that last year with the uh, with the previous head coach, it was supposed to be his, he was supposed to be, a, a defense was supposed to be his calling card. So what he did was, instead of what a good manager would do, coming in and saying, what do I have? I'm going to use them in their best, in their roles, and maybe I'll bring in other pieces or parts and maybe change things up a little bit. He totally changed the defense. It was a 3-4, he changed it to a 4-3. And now with Vance Joseph being the defensive coordinator, is taking it back to the 3-4. Is it... Is it that big of a switch, easy, or what? What? What's talk about going from a four-three to a three-four, or just defensive philosophy switches? Oh, absolutely, a big uh, concern. You know, when you come in and do something that drastic, imagine this: you want to make this beautiful dish, and it calls for chicken stock and some vegetables and stuff like that, and you go into your pantry and into your refrigerator. And you have none of those ingredients, but you're still going to try to make the same thing, right? <laughs> right, right. So when he took over the, the – here's here's what you do. If you take over an organization, you either have to do a total overhaul, meaning in personnel, to right. fit your scheme. You can't come in right away and all of a sudden, well, we're going to take everything we had and just turn it into this. It doesn't work like that. And right. that's probably – the biggest, you know, in my opinion, one of the biggest mistakes he made from the defensive side of the ball, and we'll get into other issues that I, both you and I, think they had all through. But yeah, I think it, you know, switching back to the three-four, uh, you know, I, I think it's really going to benefit Suggs. I mean, that's his, that's yeah. his flavor right there. So you use him and some of the other players, and I think we'll automatically will be off to a better start than what we finished off with in 2018. And. So when you're thinking about the defense, there are different types of philosophies when it comes to a defense or offense in that regardless of what the sport is that you play. In this case, you can be in a you can be an aggressive defense. You can be a bend don't break defense. There's all kinds of different names that come with that. But when you look at one of the strong suits of the Arizona Cardinals, there aren't there's a player from the cornerback position. So I want to transition to talk about the cornerback a little bit. So maybe a couple of different positions. 
that is not going to be available for the first six weeks of the season because of testing uh, positive for, for PEDs. And that is Patrick Peterson. For the longest time here in Arizona, one of the things that they've been trying to do is they've been trying to find what they call the OPP, the person to play opposite of Patrick Peterson, the cornerback. And they've had some signings out here in Arizona, and people who are listening to this podcast are, are probably Arizona Cardinals fans. But you know about those Kime time signs. Kime, Steve Kime is the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. And so what he'll often do is find that player that's out there that has, still has something to prove, has has still has some ability, sign him for a one-year contract to, to motivate that player to get the best out of him. And they've done that a few times to some success. But you need to find somebody that's going to be able to stay with the organization for a few years as opposed to just one, and then you have to go and try to work your magic over and over again. Now it places a lot of stress on that position because... Patrick Peterson is not going to be available for the first six weeks of the season. When you look at some of the position battles where the Arizona Cardinals are concerned, at least this part in training camp, or some things to look at, the quarterback position was one of those. They, they years A couple of years ago, they drafted what Brandon Williams to try to convert him to a cornerback. He was a running back that played a little cornerback towards the end, right before uh, his college career ended. What are your thoughts on this cornerback position? It's it seems it used to be a position of strength. Now it seems like a position of there. There's question marks there. Well, right off the bat, right off the bat, you know, you have a Patrick Peterson, and the benefit of having a player like him is he's that that dude that you match up with the number one receiver. You know, it, depending on your scheme, you usually try to take away half the field by matching him up with the other the opposition's number one receiver. So now you can scheme you know, on the other side, or you can put zone packages together that will help that out. What, what happens with Patrick's absence is now it puts a stress on the entire team in terms of that position because everybody's now bumped up a level. Right. The number two becomes a number one, and we all know there's not a whole lot of number ones out there, so your number two is now in that position where he's got to take on the number one receiver or take, you know, full responsibility. And what it also does Everybody else, like I said, gets elevated. Now you even have to be concerned about your nickel packages and your dime packages because these are now guys who would normally be sitting on the bench, you know, hoping to get in, but now they're going to be forced and pressed to get in, especially as some of these teams come into scheme against the Cardinals once the regular season starts and they know Patrick's not out there. Now they're going to be attacking your secondary even more. And that what I mean by that, they're going to be sending those four and five wide receiver sets out there to test you and stretch you a little bit. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see who steps up during camp. And, you know, we're going to get right off the bat, you know, the first preseason game game coming up next week. We're going to start getting a flavor of what's out there, and we'll start being able to formulate the depth chart and everything like that. But it's going to be really interesting, those first six games, to find out, you know, how teams come in here and how we match up. But it's going to be very difficult with uh, with uh, Patrick sitting on the sideline for the first, not even sitting on the sideline, sitting at home watching for yeah. the first six. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how how that works when you look at just the roster in terms of training camp, and not all of them will obviously stick. But uh, with Tremaine Brock, of course, Patrick Peterson, Robert Alford, Chris Jones, Brandon, the aforementioned Brandon Williams, uh, Dietrich Nichols, Byron Murphy, and Nate Brooks. It, it, where, where the quarterback position is concerned. Another thing we'll have to keep an eye out for, too, is do the Cardinals get creative? You know, there are not a lot of big trades in right. the NFL. Right. But do they find someone out there on the wire, maybe, you know, GMs calling other GMs to find out, do we have a mid-level, you know, one out there somewhere they could try to bring in 
to you know supplement Patrick Peterson being out these first uh, few weeks. So we'll have to watch that to see if they're aggressive in terms of trying to find uh, an older, uh, you know, maybe a veteran out there that they could bring in to uh, put into the system. You mentioned, in, again, so quarterback we talked about. Let's talk about maybe the the linebacker position, just in, in general terms. So you have the outside, inside linebacker positions. When we talk about last season, when you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, you have some players like maybe a, a Hassan Reddick that wasn't really put in a position and that it's – it seems it seems cheesy when you say it, but really wasn't put in a position to be able to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if you're changing that focus and you're able to let those let those dogs go eat, yeah, it seems as if you mentioned Terrell Suggs that it will really benefit him. So when you look at some of those linebackers, does this give you more confidence that the linebacker core or the the linebacker position will be able to flash a lot more this year? Well, one of the things you and I talked about on our radio show each week, you know, like through the season last year was we didn't see that, like, fire. Like, these dudes out there running around like their hair was on fire, especially defensively. And that was what the organization was kind of leaning on the last couple of years. We always had, you know, we've had players come and go through here. The Honey Badger, you know, you combine him with Patrick Peterson and some of our linebackers and stuff. Yeah. For the last few years, it was like those dudes, man, you could, they were hunting the ball. They were out there. What I think might have happened, they came in with the new scheme and you know how it is when you know something like the back of your hand, yeah. you're, re- you're easier to flow to get to your positions to do different things. Because this new scheme came in and guys seemed like they were really tentative out there, maybe not knowing where they were supposed to be at all times and trying to figure things out. And if you're a second, a split second off and making a read, getting to a spot in the NFL, and you let a, for instance, as your linebackers, you let a, a, a a tackle a guard combination get up to the next level and clip you or get you then I mean that's where those big runs and things happen so what we're going to see right off the bat is and what I like to see from the Cardinals is their aggressiveness uh, flying to the ball more uh, you know like I said like bat out of out of out of hell basically I want to see that and a lot of that will come from maybe being more familiar with the scheme and uh, like just having more familiarity and being able to flow. So that'll be interesting to see, and I think it definitely will help the linebacker crew. And the other thing is having Terrell Suggs in here, even if he only plays 20, 25, 30 snaps a game, yeah. that dude's leadership and his intensity is going to help these guys immensely. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully his defense will show us a little more than they did last year, for sure. <laughs> now, before, you mentioned a, Let's let's pin that. Let's pin that comment a little bit about fire because I want to get into that in just a second. A little bit more about that. I wrote, uh, I jotted a couple notes down. But if you look at it's it's been changed now. But if you looked just last week around this time and you looked at the the training camp depth, you would look on the defensive line and you would see all kinds of names. And one of those names you would have seen was number ninety, Robert Kimdiche, and he was a 2016 draft pick. He was drafted 29th overall. He's ultimately been released. He was released uh, just uh, just a few days ago, and because he came to camp out of shape, but also because during the off season he had a couple of different mishaps, a couple of different flashes of bad judgment, and they let him go. What does that do to to a locker room? And I'm going to ask you this, but I'm also going to my thoughts on it is 
He's been underperforming since he came into the league and only flashed, flashed very infrequently. I don't really think it makes a difference in the locker room. But am I right? Am I wrong? What are your thoughts on Kimdichie and what does that do to this defensive line? Well, I'll tell you what. What it does, it, it puts a lot of players on notice, for one. Okay. He's a first-round pick just a few years. It was a first-round pick, right? Yep. Just Number a few years ago. He dropped in the draft. I mean, he He, he had trouble coming draft. out, yeah. He had trouble coming out. Yeah. What it does is for players that, you know, you're sitting there and you kind of just in the idle position, puts you on alert that, hey, if they'll release him, they'll release anybody. You know, I know a lot of – some of the uh, uh, influence on why they got rid of them saved themselves a roster bonus. I think it was about yeah, 400000 yeah. in terms of not having to pay him, you know, camp roster bonus. But what it does, man, I'm telling you, that'll let anybody know anybody's expendable, expendable if you're not doing your job, mm-hmm. if you're not holding up your end of the bargain, not just on the field but off the field as well. Right. I mean, if you come in and, you know, some of the issues he has – you know, you got to be an exceptional player for them to continue to give you chances. And, and then the other thing was his health. You know, you got to be available. If you're not available, which, you know, he's going through. And sometimes players can't, you can't dictate what happens to your body. Right. But sometimes, you know, maybe, like you said, he came into camp out of shape. You can't. He had an injury and wasn't yeah. rehabbing properly. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't camp really out of shape. Man, you got to. Yeah. You got to come in like you know. That's even you even more to prove because you know you didn't finish the see last season. You know because because of injury and stuff like that. You got to show the organization that yeah. look, I'm here and I'm not just here. I'm available. And I'm give you everything I got. I don't think he ever got to a point where he was given everything he got right. and football was his number one priority. And as you asked a very important question, what does it feel like in the locker room? Dudes are dudes are like, well, you know, g- gotta go. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, right. one, they're on, they're worried about their money and their security. But you see a guy like him who's kind of half stepping it, and you know, he's not long for the ride. And you know, at least as far as like we're all pulling, and he's sitting on the back of the sled, just like mush. You know, yeah. that's time. Hey, gotta go. So that's it's the, un, it's the un, unfair. I mean, it's an un, um, unkind truth, you know, in, right. in, in sports and even in life and, you know, corporate world, same way. It right. all runs down like that. This is true. So so you're listening to Believe in the Arizona Cardinals, and you mentioned a couple different things. So we're going to continue to switch the, the conversation up just a bit. So still overall talking about the Arizona Cardinals, but there's one thing that you just mentioned that I want to start with, and that is you mentioned the uh, – uh, Goodness, having a brain freeze. You you mentioned in terms of when you're looking at the overall team, when you're looking at, say, for example, the Robert Kimdichie, and maybe football wasn't his first love. Can you can still be successful, right? But if something is not you, if you do, if you perform a sport, or you're a you're a great accountant because you're great with numbers, whatever it is, and you do that, and you do it to the best of your ability, and if it's not your number one passion, you can still be successful. Or do or do you think? As an athlete, it has to be a different thing that has to drive you. Football is a different breed of, of uh, I guess, profession that I advise anybody. And I'll tell you a quick story after I get If your whole heart, if your passion isn't in the game, okay. it's the easiest way to get your head taken off and to get hurt out on the field. Because okay. it is such a fast-moving, violent game. And if you're out there kind of tippy-toeing or you just really don't want to be there, that's when those instances happen where you can get lit up in a half a second. Okay. Uh, my brother, <clears throat> in 2000, I think it was 19, in 2000, he had uh, you know, coming toward the end of his career. He'd been in the league for about nine years or so. He was in camp with the Redskins. I think it was year nine or ten for him. And he called me. I was out down in Atlanta, and it was right in training camp. And he's like, Ed, you know, I'm kind of going through some stuff. And, 
you know, man, I'm just kind of thinking this might be it for me. I really, my heart's not in it anymore. He's kind of like, um, what do you think I should do? And I, my exact words to him, all the good advice he had given me through my career, you know, my transition to football and things. Help, I said to man, I said, you know what? If your heart's not in it, it's time to get out. Right. And and he took that to heart. He went to coach. North Turner was the head coach, I think, at the time. And or whoever it was, might have been Schottenheimer by then. But he went to him and was like, look, I'm, I'm done. And I advised, like I said, if, if you're an accountant sitting behind a desk, mm-hmm. you can get away with looking at some numbers <laughs> and, you know, start fooling around on your computer. Right. And, you know, and maybe taking a longer break than you usually do. You can't play and, solitaire on the field, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't play. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, like I said, that's where that's where a lot of rough lessons are learned. But it, when it's time to get out, it's time to get out if your heart's not there. You talk about rough lessons. This, when... Every every season there there's bound to be turnover when it comes to when it comes to new coaches, of course, when it comes to players being cycled out and new players coming in. So there's a lot of turnover that comes about. The Miami Dolphins, they they hired a new coach. Uh, and and so in do in so doing, you bring in your people with you. Mm-hmm. Now the Miami Dolphins, what just a couple of days into camp, they released or they fired their offensive line coach just Again, just on the in the first week of training camp. That's unheard of. That is unheard <laughs> of. And it was in the the coach. What is his name? I want to say is uh, coach. Uh, it was Flatter, uh, Flaherty was let go, and so he was obviously replacing uh, what is it? Brian Flores, the the head coach, brother man, the head coach. <laughs> he he said that it was, he just followed his gut. Now here's what I want to ask: where in in where it concerns the Arizona Cardinals. So you've been in the locker rooms, of course. If you look at the Arizona Cardinals and you look at their their coaching staff, that who they brought in, there's a lot of new faces. Mm-hmm. There's a, I mean, they're all new faces, really, essentially, because of Cliff Kingsbury and because of the way that Steve Kime decided to, to go about constructing this coaching staff. You have offensive line, Sean Kugler. You have uh, tight ends coach, uh, Steve, Steve Hyden. I mean, I can go down the list. People with a lot of years of experience. You have an assistant offensive line coach that's that has one year of experience, etc. So year one year, two years, eight years, two years, just on different different position things. As a as a former player, when do you know, or even maybe from a coach because you did some coaching on the junior college level as well. When do you know if somebody's just not cutting it? and when to pull that cord because this is a different experiment and experience for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, the unique thing about this is it's strange because it's not like they just hired him yesterday. And I like know, this is his first I know, week man. The <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was going to tell you. Like the off season is when the majority, you know, your training mini camps and being around, and especially for the coaches because they don't have a lot of contact with the players, uh-huh. but they're they're in meetings all through the off season. Yeah. So they're working on the, the philosophy of the organization, put installing offense, defense. They might not have inter- interaction with the players, but they are meeting every single day into the wee hours of the night. So what I'm trying to figure out yeah. is what changed within the first few days on the field. Where this dude, like I said, he's been in and out of meetings with them for months because, you know, the staff was put together that all of a sudden, you know, he was, we, he's got to go. You know, I don't, and that for me, as far as a coach, we look at them as authority, right? Yes. So, you know, and I had some good ones and I had some bad ones. I really did. Yeah. But first and foremost, you know, if they have your respect, if they know what they're doing, you know, they're the direct line from the head coach. Offensive coordinator, so that's like basically third man in charge in terms of us, you know. Right. And that's who we create our closest relationship with our position coach. So right off the bat, it's all about developing that relationship. And then, and I've had a couple that you know, like 
as far as him teaching us, sometimes like, man, this dude don't know what he's Ooh. talking about. You know, and you think when he was telling you stuff that he was really thinking, I don't know what the hell I'm saying right now. Most of them, it's. I mean, I've seen some who do it like, uh, you know, they 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 fool, you know, they fool the chameleon. Yeah. You know, and I, and there have been a couple times, and I thought, how does this dude keeping his job? Yeah. You know, I, just because he was not very good at teaching us, he wasn't good at leading us. But you know, we my job as a as a as an athlete is to take the information you give me. The technique that you want me to use, try to incorporate it and get the job done as best as I can. <laughs> right. Because my, I don't want my job tied to your job <laughs> for the most part, you know. But, you know, you can tell right on early on once you, you know, get into, like you sign with a team. You know, when I was with the Falcons, I was my, uh, my coach for two years. So, you know, at the, you know, halfway through the first off season, you know, I knew, okay, this is how he operates. Yeah. And then once we get into practice, then, you know, and then the other thing, the other element you have to throw in there, how they discipline you or how you talk, they talk to you. Because you talk about it all the time, the relationship. Yeah. I had coaches that would not say a word to me unless I messed something up. And then, then I would know, man, I better get this straightened out. Or some that was on a daily basis. It was us after a practice walking arm, you know, arm around each other and he's feeding me and we're, you know, telling me about my role and different things and things I need to take care of. You know, and then... There was some that, you know, if you didn't have a relationship with them, as soon as the day was over with, see you, I'm bomb, I'm out. You know, you didn't really yeah. have too much conversation with them. But the ultimate goal of every player, I don't care what he's doing in his room, you know, I got to get what's done on the field and then work it from there. But this is, this is who knows, maybe we'll find something out down the line about what what okay. really happened. Right. Because that just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, leave me with this, and you're listening to Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm going to head out with this last point here. You mentioned earlier about that at times it seemed as if the the offense, not the offense, but the defense, on the defense side of the ball, the ball bringing this full circle, that they weren't necess- they didn't have that fire. Uh, I wrote down at times it looked like they gave up. It, so when you're when you're taking it, when you're looking at the coaching, was that a letdown from the coaches or them not believing in the scheme and when you look at some of these position coaches and being able to try to understand what you're knowing your players to being able to get the best out of them regardless of what the score is, is that something that, that happened last year that you think will be addressed, really addressed specifically this this uh, preseason into the season? That Last year was a total organization, organizational failure on the defensive side of the ball and offense for that matter. We talked about last uh, last week, but it all starts at the top, you know, scheming, uh, game plan, and then head coach's basic job and defensive coordinator. For since we're talking about this side of the ball, is you got to get dudes to believe in what you're doing and go out there and get it done. Right. And along the lines, you said something about sometimes it looked like they were giving up. As a as an offensive player, I used to love like we'd be beating somebody down, yeah. and then on the other side, you could see dudes like already thinking about next week. Well, I ain't out here to, to get hurt and, yeah. you know, and, and you know, they don't want to make the extra effort, you know, trying to cut something off on the backside or yeah. pulling up on a tackle or whatever Woo. it is. Man, that's when, you know, I never from the other side wanted to, you know, like wanted to be on that side where it was like, first of all, for a guy like me, I could never give up because if I did, I'd be sitting at home on my couch. Right. But to see a team, you can see it in their eyes sometime. And some of the beatdowns that the Cardinals took last year, it was it was humiliating. And that's what we don't want to see this year. And along that line, I'll toss this out. And you and I have talked about this before. It's going to be the responsibility. Here's going to find out how valuable and how much of a CEO uh, uh, um, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury is. Because right. he's not just responsible for that other side of the ball. Yeah. When he sees something he doesn't like on the defensive side or special teams, it's going to be up to him 
to get in there and make sure it's done properly. Guys are motivated. Guys are out there doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, getting that extra study in, getting those extra reps in, whatever it is, it's his total responsibility. So it's going to be interesting to see how much of that he actually takes on his shoulders and can do. But like I said, as far as the, the defense, like I said, we, we definitely have to see a whole lot more from him this year and a, a whole lot less give up. Right, and so maybe this is what uh, Cliff Kingsbury with the Kandichi release, maybe that was one way in which he's trying to show the team, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. that I'm in control, so make sure you keep your eyes on me. Word to Tupac, all eyes on <laughs> Kingsbury. So on behalf of my wonderful co-host, Ed Easy Smith, I am Javon J. Love Adams. We'll catch you all next week. Until next time, you've been listening to the Believe in the Arizona Podcast in the Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Till next time, you can... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.